just two local guys with so much to say. So listen to the real estate brothers today. Hey everybody, this is March 2022. Me and Brother Dean are going to be going over some of real estate news and give you some commentary along the way. And we try and keep these a little bit more interactive. So if you have any questions, feel free to put your comments below. One last announcement. My book got released this past month. And if you guys want to check it out, the Journey of Simple Passive Cashflow, uh, real estate for the working professional. But why don't you go ahead, Dean, and take us away. Hey, thanks everybody for joining us. Yep, my name is Dean Ueda. I'm a former CPA, now a real estate investor and realtor. You can find me at uh, youtube.com forward slash real estate of Hawaii. But yeah, as we always like to say, let's just jump right in to what we have to talk about. I think last month i was talking about a japanese festival that was coming around and since today actually falls on a japanese celebration i figured i'd mention it again so this march 3rd or the third day of the third month is uh, girls day celebrated in japan and in hawaii too also known as hinamatsuri a little backstory i just wanted to be a little cultural so it's a shinto holiday in japan and it was actually originally known as the Peach Festival or the Momo no Sekku in Japan and here too, parents with daughters laying by dolls and they set them up in the home. A lot of times it's a, a boy and a girl said to be dressed in wedding garb representing the Heian wedding or even the Empress of Japan. And so what you do, you set up these dolls, you buy and they're kind of like pricey too. If you go to Don Quixote, you'll see them for sale and they're, they're not cheap. But um, you put them on display during the, the celebration, but you need to put them away very quickly because the, the belief is that if you don't put it away quickly, meaning the day after March 3rd, your daughter is going to take a long time to get married. So make sure you put those dolls away if you guys are doing that. Yeah, right. That's the takeaway. Yeah. I don't Treasure. need no dowry, man. Did you, did you guys do anything? She got a shirt from grandma. That's cute. You pass out snacks and gifts to the girls. In Japan, they actually have parties and they drink light, non-alcoholic sake, amazake for that period. So yeah, just a little cultural information for you rather than, I don't know, I'm sure we'll be talking about Ukraine on your side. Huh? Yeah, a little bit. But I was Googling, why is there no Boys Day? So they opted out of Boys Day and turned Boys Day into Children's Day. Children's Day, yeah. And that's the fifth day of the fifth month. And so in May, we can talk about that one. Maybe it'll fall on the first Thursday of the month. Yeah, yeah. There is no Boys Day. I think in Hawaii, we still call it Boys Day. When is that? The fifth. So February 2022, real estate statistics. Um, Again, this hasn't come out yet. So this information is going to come out. Usually, the Board of Realtors releases it on the sixth day of the month following month but based on infosparks source it appears that we may have a new all-time record for single family median price homes on on oahu and looks like it's probably gonna be 1.138 about million for single family which is a 27 26 percent increase from 
February 2021. Condo townhouses seem like they went gonna go down a little bit to 485. Still up from prior year, but down from last month, which was we we're in the low 500s. Yeah. Oh, we have a question. How to buy the book? Are you talking about this book, uh, Mr. Lai? I'm just trying to make you jealous because uh, my mine is signed. I mine is autographed. I got a special. I got a special. Got a special. I think mine got. I don't think I see it. But. I put the link in the in the comments. But. Okay. So anyway, yeah. So it looks like single family is going up. Last month, if you recall, townhouses broke and condos broke a new record. Again, every month seems like one side is breaking records, right? That's twenty six percent over year, right? From yeah, so it's from February the same time last year, correct? So it jumped up twenty six percent last year. And so I should July, go to the pockets calculator and to my analyzer and put twenty five percent to be conservative. No, no, you should put twenty just to be conservative. Yeah, means joking people. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. But we, we, to your point though, the appreciation we've been seeing in the last few years from COVID alone is have been pretty significant. And why is that? Right here, month supply of inventory, we see it for single family homes, month supply of inventory is less than a month, which is down 36% from again, same time prior year. And again, for condos, it's uh, 1.6 months supply of inventory, which is down 53% from the same time prior year. So of course, simple supply and demand, right? The, the inventory is so gosh darn low. Rates are still at all time lows, although they're been creeping up and down, but, and that's this oversimplified reason why our prices are just going off the wall. Yeah. If you're on the buyer side or the seller side, it's a fun time for us realtors. So jumping into the next section, like the Honda Board of Realtors likes to every month, besides coming up with information of the island, they also like to spotlight certain areas. So for January, for single family homes, they spotlighted Eva Beach area or Eva Plains. So the median single family price for Eva Beach is 920,000, slightly lower than for all of Oahu. It is up 18% from the same time prior year. Deza market is 10. On the condo townhouse, they decided to spotlight Waikiki condo specifically. And so the median condo price for January was 424,000, up 15%. Yeah? Days on market, you'll see it is high, relatively speaking. A lot of it's because of the type of inventory that's in Waikiki. Not, of course, condos, townhouses, condos. And there's also a bunch of leasehold things out there. So as well as short-term rentals and things of that nature. So what I wanted to bring up was right next door in the neighbor to Waikiki is what they're developing now, Kaka'a. So I wanted to show you the difference in terms of the median condo price in Waikiki. And then you walk right over to a few blocks away to Kaka'ako. And on the next slide, lane, I, I put the statistics for February. And so the med median single family, I'm sorry, no single family in Kaka'ako. So the con median condo prices for February are $1 million. And again, 26, 22% increase from same time prior year. But big difference from the 424000 in Waikiki. Look at median days on market, 15 days compared to the 35 in Waikiki. And closed sales, you see, as 33. Uh, big part of that is the big boom in construction in Kakako for a, a really long time now. So newer inventory, we got a lot of luxury stuff out there. But it's so interesting how it's 
a stone's throw away. And it's one neighborhood over from Waikiki, and you have a big difference in terms of median sale prices. Yeah. As there's a lot of truth to the saying where real estate is local, right? And you know how we talk about, especially on the mainland lane, when you're seeing in the suburbs, you could cross the street and one side of the street, you have a class property, uh, $500,000 per homes and go across the street and you have $200,000 homes, C plus Yeah, not the case yeah. here. It's all pretty it's much the same. From that standpoint, yeah, but the price, yeah, the point is a big difference, yeah. And the inventory too is so different. So that was the whole, what I wanted to point out in what the, the HBR had to say. And then I just wanted to point out right next door, the Kakaako inventory, which is crazy. When we talk about new construction all the time too, in terms of, I think last one we talked about Ulana and Ililani too. In which case, Ililani, sorry, Ulana, they just had their, anyway, I digress. So, of course, I always like to talk about my scam of the month to have you guys watch out for these things. And every month is super cool because it, it, it feels like it's very applicable. The scammers are very innovative. And the reason why this is interesting is because I started using QR codes in my marketing. Beware, let the buyer beware. Since QR codes are becoming so popular, Either restaurants you need it, especially because of COVID, so that you you know touchless menus and you can pull it up on yourself. They're easy to generate, so criminals can easily fake these codes. So what they do is they place a fake code at say a retail coffee shop or encourage you to get free Wi-Fi, right? So uh, they place the code could be anywhere, like even by a parking meter and for payment. So they get you to scan it and then they steal your payment information or send you to a malicious website. So be wary of the QR codes that you're accessing. They use it because it's convenient. It's easy to trick people. So think before you scan for sure. Be especially cautious if the QR codes don't have any labels on them to explain what they're for because they could easily, like I said, these cyber criminals are slipping them anywhere. And also don't share payment information or personal details via QR codes. Instead, try to go directly to the website that you're looking for to make payments. So yeah, that's the scam of the month to be wary of. And share this with your parents and grandparents because a lot of times, the I don't know, I feel like our parents are trying to get hip and really into this technology. So they're the ones especially that you, you need to watch out for because they, they're, oh yeah, you know, oh, I got my new iPhone. I want to try these QR codes or I want to try this. So it's good to share these with the parents or maybe even grandparents for some of you guys. Are you a non-accredited investor looking for opportunities to invest passively? How about a newer investor looking to get a bit of a track record and confidence from your skeptic spouse? And could you use the reinforcement of monthly checks paid like clockwork? The American Homeowner Preservation Fund or AHP is looking to bring new investors with them. I've been investing with them since 2016 and originally I used it as a means to pay for my regular expenses. I started with $60,000 as my initial investment and that paid for my car payment completely for me. AHP collaborates with existing homeowners to keep them in their homes by restructuring or selling the debts unlike their competitors that just kick their homeowners out on the streets. It's a way to make great returns while feeling good about making a social impact. After investing myself in the fund, it was awesome when owner George Newberry saw the impact our simple passive cash flow monthly crew was making approach me to become a spokesperson of the company. Invest as little as $100 by going to ahptitle.com. And if you want the free Burn Zone book, please claim it at simplepassivecashflow.com slash ahp. 
And if you haven't done yet, join our private investor club for more insider access. Go to simplepassivecashflow.com/club. So the last thing I wanted to talk about, Lane, is so escrows falling out. I always get this question from even from people in the industry trying to get a, a pulse on things, and it's this has been asked for years, especially during this entire bull market for real estate. They're always asking, "Oh, are you seeing a lot of escrows falling out recently?" I see inventory or things that went into contract. They're, they're like all falling out, and then people are like, "Oh." Is that is that a correction? You think is that a sign of correction is coming? So it, I just giggle when I always hear that because you can pitch any story however you want, right, Lane? We both know it, especially clickbait or trying to get more people to view you on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. I see what others are doing, but it's interesting because I guess the premise for those questions is: Are there more? Is there more inventory popping up that's having buyers back out so that they can move on to the next? Attractive thing. I honestly don't th- think that's the case, and it, it's never been for a while now. We always talk about months of inventory in terms of the inventory on market. So if you look at that slide and the how it's going down, down, it's it at this point in time, it really doesn't show any sign of letting up. And so I can't see that when these escrows are falling out, that's the situation. What I think it is, and I've seen it. Myself, both uh, representing the seller on and as well as on the buyer side, is because this is a ultra sellers market or an ultra competitive market. The buyers are getting frustrated, right? So they're putting in ten, sometimes twenty offers in, and losing out every single time. So they get so frustrated that it comes to their sixteenth one or the twenty-first one, and they're they're oh, you know what? I'm going all in on this next one. We're going to put in 100K over asking. We're going to throw in all the bells and whistles. We're going to escalation clause, no cap, appraisal clause, no no bottom. We're going to pay for all the fees and they just go you know, all in. And it could be like a property that needs you know some repair, but that's okay because they really want it. So they finally win and they get into contract. And then they look at the place and they're like, oh, wow. Okay, we're... Ice, right? No, exactly. And then, okay, now inspection time and they bring in their inspector, but they also bring in their contractors. So then the contractors are giving them estimates of all these things that need to be repaired. And they really realize we just paid 50K or 100K over that last comp that closed. But that last comp was a turnkey renovated last year. This one is a fixer up. So we're going to pay, put in another 150K. Now we're in overhead. We're paying maybe 200 over what this previous so then now they kind of like you said buyer's remorse they kind of freak freak out so then they use it to back out so i think more so that's the case than somewhat people saying it's a correction and, and again that's just my two cents and it because i've seen it both on my seller side where the seller then all of a sudden backs out and they go okay and not much of an explanation and also see it on the, the buyer side too because there it's just so challenging so for the buyers all i can recommend is make sure you talk to your agent and when you're putting in these offers it's kind of like you don't want to go for 20 and the theory to me is that you don't throw everything against the wall see what sticks you should be this the strategy should be set where okay you're gonna gun for a certain type of product that you want because of your financial situation but sometimes people are limited 
by their financial situation. A lot of times they are. Other times, if not, then okay, you're trying to get a deal, structure your offers accordingly. And in doing so, I think taking that more strategic approach, one, it gets a little bit more, le- less of, you're not putting in those 20 offers and getting 20 rejections. And two, putting in the, that effort and that strategy, I think it, it'll help statistically win, win more than just blindly throwing things in. But that's just what I think and what I try to do for my buyers. Yeah, that's a, last thing I want to talk about because it's so interesting I think when escrows follow up and we we see it too even if we're not searching for it because we get emails industry emails from escrow that are blasting oh back on the market motivated sellers so all of these when some agency that's oh wow they fell out and and they want to sell now not they want to sell but the sellers are like desperate it sounds like because it's motivated sellers so then it makes people think but very interesting so anyway that's my Two cents about uh, whenever you see... That's a good point. That is a new thing in this kind of heavy buyer's market. But it could just be in a neutral market or even a buyer's buyer's market. It could just simply be there's something like wrong with the roof or foundation or something that a deal breaker that people backed out. But that's a hard thing, right? It could be that and there's a stigma with the property. But when people do that kind of chicken stuff, like it kind of messes up the seller's... Yeah, it's, it, it, there's there is a lot of emotion to it too. Yeah, to your point. So like, on the seller side, it's our job to take the emotion out and make sure you have your ducks lined up in terms of whether it be a backup offer if the seller wants, or to have the next guy lined up to be into contract. Because sometimes if the market is moving up high, sometimes you don't want that backup offer. If it comes back into to becomes available after. 20 days, the market could have changed again and actually went up more. So you, you got to really think about if you want to get a backup offer to so that the next first position can slip right in or if that would be for the towards disadvantageous for the, the seller. So yeah, it's fun. You can't just get the robos at Redfin to do it all for you and just tell you what to do? No. You can if you want to. <laughs> I don't discourage that. It's whatever people want, that's the thing. Someone said they fell out of escrow because of land court. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. See, so that's not uncommon either. Especially, so we, in, in Hawaii, we have dual recordation. So when if it's in both, it takes even longer to clean those issues up for one. Two, if there's, yeah, if there's an issue, sometimes the, you can't get title insurance and other times you can get title insurance, but the buyer, it's up to the buyer to say, okay, I'll, I'll take this property that has something stuck on it but title the title company is telling me they they can clear it for now it's still gonna not be a clear title but you'll get a title insurance and the title company will honor that and defend it if if you try to sell again but then the question is the next buyer want that on if they can't clear it off so all these different issues when there's either a lien still stuck in it actually yeah ulana award i Tried to delete that before you brought it on. We that one the lottery occurred already, and they're currently going through the selection process. So I have, actually have a client that we're gonna get to go down shortly and go through the selection process. So we're planning our strategy for these properties. What is the strategy? See, it depends on the the buyer, and so what these reserved housing units have is. Oh, this is a really confusing one, right? Where it's like yes. the developer or the own, the, the seller has some kapu on the upside, right? Correct. Yeah. Even more, the, the other twist to that is every unit has a different restriction in terms of 
the number of years you can take, you're restricted to either sell or rent it out. So it, I believe it's two, five, or 10 years. So in the selection process, the strategy too would be one, of course, general geography of where that property sits based on wh- where you want to be located in the within the building, i.e. I- not next to the elevator or the trash chute or close to the exit stairwell or whatnot. And two, because that there's those restrictions are on it, the various restrictions, it can determine you if depending on what your financial ability is also, because you could call up, you may or may not qualify for the two, the five or the 10, right? The 10 would be the 10 year restriction, five year or the two year. So the two year restriction, I think you would is the least. So you'll have to have in theory, I guess it would be le- less income. Yeah. So the strategy would be okay. If you have all, see, you have options for all three. Which one would you want? Probably the one with the least amount of restrictions right, that expires after two years. So that's the kind of strategy. So Coupled are with the buying it to rent it out, then is that why? No, you cannot. It? So that those restrictions are to sell or to rent out for either. Yeah, those years that I'm mentioning, it's it's to either sell or rent out. You can't do that either. Either of them within that time period. Yeah. So that's the strategy in terms of it's a little complex. Yeah, from that standpoint. And it depends on what the buyer is intending to do afterwards, I guess, after the restrictions are lifted. So most average people, they just want to hold on to it forever. So what would you do? Ah, then that, then it comes down to price too. So to your point, those restrictions are out the door. So you don't have to even worry about that. Then you're just probably going to look at the geography of where it's located in the building as well as, right? Because you, you plan to live there forever. So you just want the one that makes most sense for your, your, what your wants are in terms of, oh, I'd rather be close to the elevator. Oh, I don't want to be next to the trash chute because people are going to walk by there and dumping it all the time. So then it just becomes more one of those kind of strategery. Wouldn't they just get all the bids together and just stick from highest to lowest and then divvy up the floors that way if the higher floors being more expensive? So I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, that's, I'm, I just was invited earlier this week and we have a day and a specific day in March that we have to go show up 15 minutes before, and then we have five minutes to select our unit. So it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, we show like, up at the sales office and, and we have five minutes to select from what's available. So not like you run your butt up the stairs and put a flag on the higher, yeah, yeah like the Louisiana what, Purchase. Yeah, what movie was that? The one with, not Harrison Ford. Oh yeah, I, I remember that. There's the one no, where like they had the guy who would cheat and they would go out the day before and then they would make the horses all tired. <laughs> and they would stick their flag in the ideal plots. Those that one, right? This oh what oh what it was. Mel Gibson was was oh what movie is that? I don't know. It's very uh, good feeling though because I remember him sticking the flag in at the end. But I don't remember what movie it was. Yeah, Shucks. it's really old. It's like eighties or nineties. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was a Braveheart, right? It was but a- imagine like that would make some pretty good TV. Ulana worked at She like the stairs. And then you're able to trade after. The, like the good old days. Because uh, you grabbed yeah. one, but you, you can, once everything settles and you can start like moving around, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Literally like line up in the stairwell and run all the way up. So people are going to be like, I'm super slow. I'm just going to take the second floor. All right. We'll be going through these pretty quickly. But if you haven't yet, check out my podcast, Simple Passive Cashflow Real Estate for the Working Professional, where we talk a lot about taxes investing in syndications, investing in the U.S. mainland, being less active as a real estate investor, mostly a credit investor, 
type of activities. A lot of the stuff we do are, is private equity, and this is a great example of a private equity deal where I'm not investing in this, and I don't particularly think it's a good deal. WAMBA is announcing a $75 million capital raise to improve their growth strategy, probably basically to pay for a lot of Facebook ads or social media ads and some internet marketers to, to go at it. But here are some six creative concessions that attract residents. First, upgrades to the property, freebies included. These would make the free parking, free Wi-Fi, amenity packages, some self-storage, some smart devices, dropping the pet fees, and then some incentives such as you know, like a free moving truck. A few of these things I don't agree with. We don't do these on our properties, which are, we always have, that's a big no-brainer that we think that I don't agree with. Smart devices, we typically have Class B and C properties, so we just won't do that. And I don't even think that's next smart for Class A properties because Class A property, one guy wants Alexa, one, one person wants the, the Mac thing. Some people don't want them. They think you're spying on them, right? So can they can, yeah, if you guys are landlords, these are some of the lists if you want to put in some concessions for your tenants. But you Do those Amazon drop areas by the postal pickup or do those add any the lockers yeah so a lot of that's a way to lower your expenses and operator because now you don't need as much staff because that can take up a huge part of the day that's a big chore to do so the idea is to get the amazon locker on your property i don't know how much they cost i mean they're not cheap i'm guessing like ten fifteen thousand dollars but by having that on your premises now you can eliminate that for that extra staff to be screwing around with the, that activity for an hour or two a day. That's a potential to just go and pick up their stuff. See, uh, a lot of good news in terms of the, the market, multifamily market polarized by rent income. Pandemic second year witnessed a robust rebound. And we're going to be seeing a lot of these this news in different slides, but from different sources. Multifamily construction hits its highest level since 1941. Wow. It's still going to take some time for those units to become available to meet housing demand amidst labor and construction material shortages. Completion of these units should help with rent pressure, but rents are still going up. So Although you, probably slowing down. Do you still see a, a large supply chain issue for either um, raw materials or and or appliances? Appliances and the windows are the big one. Windows mm-hmm. is always the number so, one, yeah. but luckily this is, it's not like a car. If you don't have the windshield, you can't ship the product, right? Like mm-hmm. apartments are, you may not have the, the refrigerator, but the tenant's still going to move in there with the higher rent. And maybe you just say, we're not going to charge you X amount until that refrigerator gets in. You just charge them anyway for it. But, um, top 10 multi-county markets by units delivered. And this is. Dallas, Houston, Miami, Austin, Atlanta, DC, Orlando, Los Angeles, Charlotte, Phoenix. So this is where a lot of new development is going in. And why is this rising interest rates, a national labor shortage, evolving migration patterns and changes in renter preferences? Inflation, raising wages have also played a role into the apartment market. Renters have moved from less expensive markets where they're able to pay rent because it seemed relatively cheap compared to the higher rent markets they moved away from. So basically moving in from the coast to the, the inwards. Here's something that a lot of people watch is like the, the more progressive locations like New York, Seattle, Hawaii, California, where you're going to have, you can't, there's no like good cause eviction laws, what they call it. Basically you can't evict people. Yeah, let's just move on, right? <laughs> so here, 
I was watching this purchase for quite a while, and it finally came out who the buyers were on this. Okay. This is out. This Oasis Townhomes out in Waipahu. I don't know if you've ever hung out. Or- I've never hung out there, but I know where it is. It's a pretty big complex down there. Yeah. yeah, you've never. There's only maybe a couple of these types of apartment complexes on the island of Oahu, where it's like this big sprawling complex. This was 406 units. Um, oh crap! I, I know exactly which one that one is. That's actually I, I have a rental right across the street, but that's it's very well maintained though co- compared to the other stuff inventory in Waipahu. I gotta tell you that. Yeah, the, the when I looked at the uh, sales deck on this, it looked the pictures look amazing. Yeah, yeah. But no, it 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 is a really decent group of complexes, and it is one of the few that is it's like a gated community in that area. That's one of the few like legitimate gated community. Yeah, yeah. Like Dean's, I like your quote. I would use the same words, decent. But, you know, not too many of these types of huge current complexes in Hawaii, but this is what you have all over the U.S. Man. Yeah. Sometimes you'll have several of these all in one place right next to each other. Like thousands yeah. of them. Yeah. My property manager has a joke, running joke. He said, don't invest in any of the on any of the streets that have the word poo-poo in it because there's like... Poo-poo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it's, it's just poo-poo, so don't do it. Yeah, invest in good areas. The crazy thing when I was looking through this deck, they have all like the the brokers. They always like to overinflate things mm-hmm. to the best. But they showed like median income was like I forgot exactly what it was, but it was high. I was like, yeah. But then this is all like multiple families in one, right? Like I, I'm wondering right. if that's how they measure that statistic. Oh, they right. got families all in one house yeah the medium income should better be 120,000 here you get three generations yeah. i just don't know if that's how the stats are really kept but it's the median income was super high i thought but yeah that's what i think that's it's funny you see a lot of mainland investors every like every other month they're like i want to buy a short-term rental in hawaii first of all you can't do any short-term rentals here buddy and if you're not from the <laughs> island it's going to be extremely hard for you to get anything done out here and yeah. uh, it's hard yeah, maybe next one we should talk about that too. Like short-term rentals, it's like an in-between, like a sweet spot, like more than a month, but less than six months. I don't know. Anyway, okay, I'm, I dive, I dig. Yeah, that's there. that's the loophole now, right? Right. Exactly. Sure. It is because you but, can find people who are willing to do a thirty-day, so that's less than that's greater than what the state considers yeah. that. So but you, you, what those or, guys do, they call it a thirty-day, but then they tell the tenant. And you can, you know, if you want to go after two days, that's cool too. That's how they, <laughs> that's how they oh. get around with it. Well, the problem with those is you can't get it right, marketed it nicely, like through Airbnb, right? Versus no, but um, they do. That's how they get on Airbnb and oh. they get it out to the big market that will pay more. They oh, list it as a long term rental, but then they do all these games and stuff like that. Which oh, interesting to me, it's okay if you want to gamble every single rental. Yeah. What a state so. They still get their transient accommodation taxes, which is ridiculously high, right? That's all they want. Yeah. But it kind of hurts if you have all these like transitory houses, it hurts. It does. It does. Yep. And it just pisses everybody off. Exactly. It, yeah. in theory, could reduce the value of the neighborhood prices. Right. In theory. <laughs> Joint Center for Housing Studies from Harvard University. They write some pretty cool articles here. Rents climbed rapidly, but if you they split apart like your higher end stuff, your medium stuff, and your lower end stuff, the higher end is going up much 
higher wow. event. And that makes sense because the white collar folks that were uh, working from home were pretty much unimpacted from the pandemic. In fact, they are probably left stronger because they weren't able to spend all their money on vacation, sports, sporting stuff. But the low end were hit harder, which was, this is a unusual pandemic recession where not everybody was impacted relatively the same and some were left stronger. Vacancy rates are plummeting, which is a good thing. It's inverse to occupancy. You want more occupancy, you want less vacancy, which is means rents are going up. And that's ultimately in, uh, also indicated by the absorption of your new rentals, and which is why more people are building more units to keep up with this pace. And that ultimately means higher prices. And what else here? And if we just a little bit of a history lesson in the last couple of years, we had a lot of government inter intervention with a lot of smell us plans and specie orders for non-evictions. As you forget, and we're not we're just coming out of a lot of this strange government intervention. Ready for the U-Haul report and the van lines? So the U-Haul report tracks the movement of more your budget conscious type of renter or person. And if you were a broke kid who went to college, you probably moved your stuff in the U-Haul with your buddy. If you got a van line to do it, you're probably a spoiled child back then. <laughs> or you're an adult who has a higher paying job. So we'll get to that later. So the U-Haul report, the top 10 like, growth states that U-Haul says a lot of people are moving toward were Texas, Florida, Tennessee, South Carolina, Arizona, Indiana, Colorado, Maine, Idaho. You're not going to find Hawaii on this one. Nobody's using a U-Haul to move over to Hawaii. But I'm probably guessing not a lot of people moved into Hawaii. Mm. If they did, it would be on the, uh, the band line. Report, which those top 10 states that moved in were Vermont, South Dakota, Carolina, West Virginia, Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, Oregon, Idaho, Rhode Island. There's more white-collar workers yeah, I think what that is, I don't know what Vermont's got going on, but South Dakota, I think those are just your more remote workers going up there. Not a good place to, to invest, in my opinion, South Dakota. Huh, South yeah. Carolina, I know that's, I think Boeing's out there. Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, that, that kind of mimics the report. And then some moving out, the essence is where people moving out of. That's New Jersey, Illinois, New York, Connecticut, California. Michigan, Massachusetts, yes, Louisiana, Ohio, Nebraska. Yeah, I would bet. Yeah, Hawaii just doesn't have too many people. Why we don't ever hit? Yeah, 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 maybe if it's like per capita, it might be different, right? And and the, frankly, what it is, it's just the rich people move into Hawaii, and the people who can't afford it moving out. They're yeah. not, they're not getting a bad line. It just gets you just get kind of poor and poorer, Dean, and the whole mix of things. Hyperinflation is real and it's just getting worse. Apartment occupancy continues to climb. The Sunbelt markets continue to dominate the leaderboard. West Palm Beach, Tampa, Phoenix, Orlando, Fort Lauderdale, Austin, Las Vegas, Jacksonville, Miami, Raleigh, Dur Durham were some of the, the bigger growth ones. One that they talked badly about here was Minneapolis St. Paul, which was actually below the curve. Sunbelt, mountain, desert regions combined to account for more than half the nation's apartment demand in 2021, led by Fort Worth, Dallas-Fort Worth. Yeah, a lot of the stuff we've talked about multiple times. Here's my book information again. If you guys want to check out the audio version, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash book. I guess let's uh, to wrap things up, unless anybody's got any questions here. Let's talk about this uh, Ukraine thing, right? Add in anything if I missed anything, Dean, but like my <laughs> notes here, I'm kind of fascinated this is the first time in my yeah. lifetime that i've seen a 
a war done by actually two legitimate militaries. Now, so you could probably say Ukraine's military isn't the greatest, but this is the first time you're seeing like Desert Storm, all these 9-11, all these wars. It's all like minuscule armies, right? This is the first time you, you may have like nuclear warfare. Things. I just watch a lot of social media stuff on this. And it mm. seems like the Ukrainians are definitely winning that. And who knows what to believe? Like, I think yeah, that's true. You know, they're performing from what they thought. To your point, it's like, what is the media portraying? How are they portraying this war? Because I think the other day I was watching and they said, yeah, the underperformance where Russia sent in a whole bunch of troops and then they all stalled and like literally stalled from the point of running out of resources and even like gasoline. So they're, they're like trying to figure out this supply chain issue or something. Yeah. And it sounds not like it wasn't well planned. And then you have that whole NATO thing going on too, right? Where the neighboring countries all NATO countries and even like a push to try to see if you can get Ukraine part of NATO. And like you said, it's, I'm very ignorant of this. And so it's very interesting to me too, from the standpoint of us looking in and being outsiders. And then you got the whole thing with the oligarchs of Russia getting cut off because you're trying to squeeze them economically. And hopefully the oligarchs will pressure Putin to to stop what they're doing and all these super interesting things. And and it seems like the the Russian public is super on board with this thing. Yeah. And then obviously all the celebrities are very against everything that's happening. Maybe for a PR thing. Possibly. possibly. But all that aside, like some I have things I wanted to just people haven't heard, like there's these heavier sanctions that are coming down the road. Russia got removed from it is cool to see like larger companies put a kaput and get involved, right? Like I'm a huge I'm hugely against corporatocracy and everything where they have a lot of companies have a lot of power, but this is interesting and exciting to see them get involved, like them pulling Apple products in Russia. Yeah, I, I saw Disney's not sending their most recent movie releases there too. Like even small stuff like that is like to your point, man, it, it it really messes with the morale of the overall uh, population, and and, and there's more pressure uh, on Putin to 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 do something. Yeah, that's the narrative, right? Like we said, right. like you were saying earlier about like why did that property go out of contract? That's the narrative. Nobody ever knows the real story. But that seems to be like Putin's painted as this character that is taking his country down a path generally don't want to go um, and is it, yeah wasn't the ukrainian president wasn't he yeah, like a comedian in his past life or something yeah what i think is neat is like man that guy's balls are portrayed getting bigger and bigger every day he seems like a cool guy yeah when you see him on camera he just looks stern he has his yeah thing. he's a g he's i don't yeah. know i don't need no ride out america i just need some more bullets that was yeah. like yeah leadership that seems like I don't never heard the guy talk, but like the way he's portrayed. And I guess that's what you probably need, right? Because people, and you see these videos of Ukrainians are building all these Molotov cocktails and getting banding together. The one exciting thing that I do see of this is it seems like the world is banding together amongst a common. Yeah. I, was, I was watching some news too that said there's volunteers coming from other countries like England and they're volunteer soldiers that are showing up in Kiev and in Ukraine saying that they want to help fight because they don't believe what Russia is doing. So I think that's cool. Yeah. I think this is so you guys sent in a question here. What are the investment plays when you factor Ukraine, hyperinflation, oil and gas, especially widening wealth gap in 
recap. I'll, I'll do some of my thoughts and maybe Dean if something comes to play. And, and we'll caveat this all that we don't think that this is a great thing. People are dying, of course. Just people want to know our opinion investment-wise, money-wise. But I just thought it was weird. It's been about a week now and the stock market like shot up. And that's why I don't invest in stocks. Because damn thing doesn't make any sense to me. They, they were going to, prior to all this, they were saying that they were going to raise interest rates several times this year, which I always been saying that it's, yeah, don't hold your breath when the government says anything. Interest rates stayed the same. Actually went down a little bit because we were looking for loans ourselves. But that's whether, essentially what the Fed does is they use the interest rates, they pump the interest rates up so that they can lower it when things go bad. And this isn't a prime example. It's uncertain circumstances. So they call debts. What they want to do is they want to keep the, the markets consistent. But on the logically in a war, you would think that they would halt that increase of interest rates because that would be a negative thing on people's financial outlook. Come to find out, the stock markets did pretty well. Again, that's why I think it's just crazy. It doesn't, I don't like stocks. That's the reason. It doesn't make any sense to me. So who knows? Maybe interest rates will keep going because the Fed is looking at the markets and be like, all right, none of y'all think that this is impactful. We're going to raise the rates as our plan. Anyway, uh, I don't know. You got anything? If not, I'll, you know, oil and gas. So Russia has a lot of oil play. Who was it? Germany's agreement to nix that Nord Steam 2 deal, which will mean higher energy prices to remain a problem in Germany and Europe. Something they tried to fix with all that renewable energy thing. That ultimately means that America, as I understand, America, the Middle East, Russia are the big oil guys in the world. America has, as of not too long ago, is has now emerged as having a lot of oil. What we were taught in elementary school. I I, I think that's part of it, but I think they just found a lot more deposits too. I don't know. Don't quote me on that, but I'm, I'm in an oil and gas deal and I was kind of like, oh. that sounds good to me because the oil and gas deals are very predicated on the oil and gas price, which is why I don't really like to invest in it because I just did it to lose money on taxes. Essentially. So for me, I guess my take on Mr. Monopaz's question is what kind of investment plays do I think are good? To me, the key is like that hyperinflation, right? And to your point, Lane, I, I don't, I'm not too heavily involved in the stock market or follow it in it a little bit, but, and I, I don't want to go so far to say it's rigged or anything by any means, but I still am going to stick to more on the real estate front because I feel like you can leverage smart and I like smart leverage. And from the standpoint of, in terms of real estate, right? We, we get the, in theory, we get the tax benefit, we get the appreciation and, and the leverage is key. Because if we're leveraging it and there's appreciation, that just multiplies your appreciation on your investment. And when you're using debt, the beauty of it during a hyperinflationary period is it's a, it's a leverage against debt because against inflation because the, the dollar is becoming worth less, right? So you don't want to have it in the bank because in the bank what you own it, is. but if you have it as in terms of a loan, your loan is now worth less, right? So it's a great inflation hedge. To, to be in real estate, I think, especially if with the prices going up and you're leveraging. So I, I still like those plays in whatever form you you want to, right? If, rather buy and hold or or syndications too, right? So I, I love that. How long is this thing gonna last? I mean, like a few weeks more? Or I, I just don't, that I've part I have no clue. Yeah, yeah, because I can you see a powerhouse 
tapping out so quickly. That doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Oh, I changed my mind. This it's like Vietnam. I was not around for Vietnam, but right. that was the narrative told to our generation was that the public didn't want to be in there and eventually won out. I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of things I'm not aware of. I, I think it's different too from the standpoint of the U.S. isn't getting nearly as involved, right? Yeah, yeah. It was they were saying that it was kind of like I forget which French commander that they told Hitler was going to invade, and then they told this one commander, and they painted Biden as the same way. Because you look at the old videos, Biden said. If Russia ever you know, goes into Ukraine, it's all at war. But obviously, it's not the case. It's an empty promise. But yeah, it's, it's hard, right? As a world superpower, yet the quote-unquote politics. And so, yeah, I, I can't even imagine. And I'm ignorant of 99% of all of these work yeah. that has to play, I, play out. Uh, I know, like, China is more... Like, the China going in Taiwan is a lot more impactful to America. And it seems like China has caught up. Maybe they got the impression, oh, shoot, we, if we do what Russia did, the world is going to start to sanctions on us. And it seems like maybe they got taught a vicariously a lesson. And so maybe that's a good thing. Hopefully. Taiwan <laughs> has all the chips. That's the big thing that is really impactful that I follow. Since a lot of the those Sunbelt states, they have the new chip plants up there, like the Intel plants. That's a big thing that they're trying to take over that and get somewhere near Taiwan on that type of stuff. But I don't know. Dee and I don't have all the answers. And yep. We're just a couple of guys. And I think this is why we just invested in real estate. So we don't have to be yep. an expert on this type of stuff. But, uh, if you guys have any other comments or commentary, feel free to type it into the comments below. I'm always looking for more things to think about. But other than that, Dean, any other final parting words? Happy Girls Day. Hopefully we'll be here next time. All right. See everybody. Free Real Estate Investing Group, check out reialoha.com. We're just two local guys with so much to say, so listen to the real estate brothers today. Hey, just some legal stuff here. Although these two brothers are pretty knowledgeable and have over 2,100 rental units and own over $160 million worth of real estate, the preceding are only ideas and not to be taken as legal, tax, or financial advice, okay? You should always seek the professional advice of other professionals on your team and think for yourself and do your own due diligence, okay? Aloha.